0: Om Sthapakaya Chadharmasya Sarvadharmaswarupine Avatarvarishthaya Ramakrishnayate Namaha Om Vasudeva sutam Devam kan devaki paramanandam krishnam vande Jagatagurum gurum so the last class we were studying the 11th verse of the fourth chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita, where we find the idea of this as many paths, so many ways. The idea of the universality of all the religions, of all the faiths, which has the capability to lead us to the spiritual enlightenment, has been stated, has been propounded by Bhagavan Sri Krishna. What is the sloka? That it was a sloka which we know Swami Vivekananda <coughs> quoted in his famous lecture. The first lecture, the Chicago address, the seven-minute address. This sloka, he quoted there, Ye yatha mang prapadyante, yam, Mama vartante, Manushya, Partha, Sarvasya. So that in whatever way men worship me, in the same way do I fulfill their desires. It is my path, O Partha, that men walk in always. So whatever may be the path. So whatever may be your faith, whatever may be your belief, with which if you proceed your journey, if you are have faith in it and arduously go on practicing, that can lead you to the ultimate spiritual illumination. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, jatumat tatupat. As it's actually in echoing the message of the Upanishads, of the Vedas, that ekam sat vipra vadanti." The truth is one which the sages call by various names in various ways. So that's the idea which we were uh, discussing in the last class. And not only that, this sloka has been interpreted by all the commentators in another way. That's what? That even if you are having a worldly goal, what to speak of spiritual goal, you forget that I want wealth, I want the sense of pleasures of life, I want name and fame, for that if you go and pray to God, God is there to fulfill your wishes. Yathamaan prapadyant, In whatever way you worship, I am there to fulfill your wish, whether it is worldly desire or whether it is a spiritual goal. And in the last class, we were indicating that in that what actually it indicates that when you are desiring anything, the ultimate why why we desire anything ultimately to get happiness, to get bliss. Know it for certain, whatever you may do. The bliss that comes is because of the divine. As we mentioned even in the last class, that Shankaracharya, Adi Shankaracharya in his commentary on Bhagavad Gita in some other context, very nicely has indicated that na saṃsāre sukhasya gandha matram api asti. that this world, this saṃsāra this prakriti, the nature, doesn't have the capacity to give you even a small fragrance of happiness. What to speak of real happiness? It doesn't have the capacity to give you a tinge of happiness. When you say, no, in the world we do get happiness. When I am desiring for something, a good job or some good position, good relation or some, some, some electronic gadget, forget about all those things, even a small thing, I want the latest model of the laptop. I do get happiness, the world do give me happiness, but here that's how we are constantly being befooled. The world doesn't have the capacity to give you even a tinge of happiness. What the world does, it for the time being, when your desire is fulfilled, for the time being, it just lets it hold be freed from you it's no more grabbing grabbing you it just let go the nature lets go and the bliss that comes out is because of the innate divine nature which is within that's to understand that that's we again and again resort to that example which Swami Vivekananda gave that suppose I have the desire to have a particular brand of the laptop the latest laptop or a child has that desire to have the latest laptop, the father says that you are not studying properly, you study properly, you have so many distractions, you are busy with your friends, with your games, tournaments, and they're they're all okay, but they're taking away so much of your time that you're not giving sufficient attention to your studies, your grades are being compromised. So it's a condition, if you get certain good grades, I will give you the laptop you desire. And then we find what happens, the child will be restraining himself to a certain extent. So Swami Vivekananda's example is our mind is like a lake or just like a swimming pool where the waves are our thoughts. When you are constantly thinking, your mind is full of concern, you are having feelings, thoughts, emotions, they are like the waves, they are the vrittis, they are like the waves. And as we have found that when a lake is turmoil, it's disturbed, it has a lot of waves, I cannot see the bottom of the lake. Sometimes if the water is clean and the water is calm, I can see the bottom of the lake. In a swimming pool, if something has fallen, I can see where it has fallen, a ring has fallen, I can see if the water is clear and there's no wave. But when all are jumping and frolicking, are just swimming, the water is turmoil i cannot see so swami vivekananda is saying the real nature our real nature is sat chit ananda swarupa that's the divine nature sat swarupa it is eternal it was it is it will be the atman is eternal that is that speaks of sat swarupata that which can never be annihilated it is eternal that is sat and that is not something inert, that is chit, that is consciousness. That's why I am always aware, I am, I am. That awareness is there. My amness is having some awareness, it's not like something inert. I know I am. And the third thing is ananda that the self is always in bliss. But why we don't realize that bliss we are always aware of the fact that I am, but the bliss factor somehow is missing in our life. Only when a desire is fulfilled and then I feel the tremendous elation. So what Swamiji is saying is very interesting. That our mind is always having these waves. And as long as the waves are there, this our real nature, which is Sat, Chit, Ananda, Swarupa, Of which Sat and Chit Swarupata never gets obscured. Whether I am happy or whether I am suffering, I am always aware I am. But the factor which gets obscured, which gets filtered out, is the Ananda Swarupata. That gets obscured. Now when the mind is calm, then there is no factor to obscure that bliss, the bliss is of the self. That bliss which is of yourself, which is the essence of your being, which is the Paramatma, which is the Lord, which is Sri Krishna. As Bhagavad Gita, in Gita we find Bhagavan is identifying himself with that Paramatma Svarupa. So when you are, your mind is calm, that bliss factor, nothing is there to filter out. That percolates through your body mind complex. So now, when the child was having thousands of distractions, the father told you get a laptop uh, if you get good grades. So he's concentrating his studies, he's concentrating his mind in his studies, he's getting rid of distraction, and there is a huge wave in his mind, single wave. All other waves have been engulfed by that wave. What? I want that particular laptop. That's the all only thought in his mind, constantly he or she is thinking that. And as he gets the good grades, the father, as per the condition, gives him the laptop. For the time being, there is no wave. Because that was the one wave, I want the laptop, when you get it, that wave has subsided. There is no wave. And there is a tremendous elation. We feel that the laptop has given happiness, no. It is actually the let go. For a time being, there is no desire. The mind is desireless and the self which is within, that percolates through my body-mind senses. The self, the bliss factor of the self wells up through your body-mind complex and you feel tremendously elated. But there's a delusion. What's the delusion? The thing has has given me happiness. We never realize that it is my near nature which was obscured, the bliss factor of my nature which was obscured, for which The happiness which is for me, with which is with me for eternally, that wasn't realized because of that filtering factor. Once you remove that filtering factor, for the time being, that happiness is there. But as the mind is deluded, it is always the sense objects that give me happiness. What happens? Because of the delusion, again it goes on desiring something. So we find that there is never end of any desire. We feel that okay that let me get a job I will be happy and again you will find that some desire has cropped up Oh, I want this I want that till the last breath of our life it goes on at any moment we may think these are the desires once it's fulfilled I will be satisfied you find it never happens happiness always is the future tense why because we always think that I am insufficient and this world is outside there with all its treasures waiting for me to grab them and the moment I grab them, I get the happiness. So this delusion, as Shankaracharya says, leads to the cycle of avidya-kama-karma. Because of the ignorance that the bliss is always with me. I am the self, I am not this body-mind complex. This body may fall off. I am the self which as eternally fulfilled being exists forever. I am ever in bliss as we have forgotten that, we somehow got identified with the reflection. My real nature is being reflected in this body-mind complex and I take that reflection to be real and I get identified with the body-mind complex and then all this suffering comes. I get enchained in this cycle of avidya karma karma. Avidya means ignorance. From ignorance results desire and that results in action and this cycle goes on life after life. So now when Bhagawan is saying that it is me alone who is there to fulfill your desire what actually is speaking, is speaking of that psychological factor. The moment your desire is fulfilled the happiness that you get is from the Lord because this world doesn't have the capacity to give you even a single single drop of happiness. What it does it just simply for the time being removes, it just sits apart. The filtering factor, the nature is a filtering factor it just moves apart and allows you to be in communion with your real self. You are there for the time being we become swastha. The words swastha doesn't mean health. That the, We think that when we don't have any disease I am swastha. The real meaning of the word swast is the one who is residing in himself. Swa may sthit, The one who is residing in himself. He is swasth. So we are never that. When our desire gets fulfilled for the time being, we are swast. And again new desire comes. So what's happening throughout our life, we are chasing after the desires. Whatever the desire may be, right or wrong, the moment you get happiness, the happiness comes from the Lord but you have adopted a wrong way. And that's why the happiness is ephemeral. It doesn't stay with you. If I knew that by nature I am happy, then the scripture says there is only one practice. Whatever may be the method, but all the practices in all the religions, at last what it is trying to do, to calm down your mind, nothing else. With all your practice, you are calming down your mind. And once you can do that, the more you can do that, the more your real nature percolates through your body-mind complex to make you swastha, to be established in yourself, to be sthita, to be established in swa, in your own self. And the more you do that, the more spiritually evolved you are. So that's the entire practice. That's the entire game of spirituality. That's being spoken of. So in whatever, the one who really wants spirituality, I give them that. He frees himself from desire and gets established in that. That's what I am giving them. And if he wants desire, okay, that also I am giving. But again, it is you, it is you, uh, you who are again going for some desire. So again, I will give. But as long as you don't stop this chase after desires, it will be just a momentary. Thing. That's the thing which Bhagavan was indicating in the 11th sloka. On the same line, he will be speaking on the 12th sloka. What he is saying in the 12th sloka, that we are going to study now, that Kaṅśanta, karmanāṁ siddhiṁ yajanta hi loke siddhir bhavati karmaja. That whatever you desire, I am going to give, but know it for certain, if you ask for any worldly desire which is the result of action its result will be very quick, immediately you get it what is implied? the spiritual happiness, the happiness which comes from spiritual evolution, that eternal bliss it is something qualitatively the highest we can never think of any happiness at par with that but it is very difficult, it's not that easy, it's not that I grant that desire easily. But if you ask for any worldly desire, easily you get it, know it for certain. That we think that throughout our life, with all our worldly ambitions, we have laboured so much to get that happiness, whether it's a good job, whether it's a good position in life. Bhagavan is saying that you may think that's too much, but that's nothing compared to the joy which comes from the spiritual unfoldment the hardships required there is much much greater that's why we will find uh, even in the time of swami vivekananda swami brahmananda that being inspired by the ideas of swami vivekananda after he passed away many used to come uh, to join the order ramakrishna order and swami brahmananda it was a common thing he will say what are you doing i am studying what are you studying? I am the graduation, final year. The exams are over? No. It's just a few months later, and now he wants to join. He says, is it because of the fear of examination that you, are, you want to join? And then he used to say a very interesting thing. To pass the examination is very easy. To lead this life, you're thinking it's easy. That's why you're trying to to escape, isn't it? You think that, uh, that you can escape the challenges of examination by leading, by coming to lead this life. It's very tough. Passing examination is easy. The same thing is being indicated here. siddhin yajanta iha devata. That longing for success in action in this world, human beings worship gods. Why they do it? Because kshipram, it's very easy. Kshipram hi manuse loke siddhir bhavati karmajā. It's very easy, it's very quick to get the objects of your desires through action. It's very easy. Why it's easy? Because all our desires, all our so called worldly desires which we gain through our action has to do with the sustenance of nature by which Prakriti is sustained. Nature wants that. We should go on desiring those things and it's always ready to give the result, its ultimate result to us immediately because by that it is sustained so that's why you are not going against the nature when you are desiring something world you're not going against the nature nature is always happy it will immediately give it to you but to, at the same time it's not actually giving you it has made you you a tool of all the so-called bliss which you get from all the worldly pleasures so we discuss it this is the same things we discuss again and again just on the context we have to bring it. That why it is shipra. Why it is so quick that worldly desires are fulfilled. Because we will find that what are the all worldly desires we have. At last the scripture says, and even we can find out, that all our worldly desires at last can be boiled down to only three desires. Three eshana. What are they? Putrashana, desire for progeny vittaisana desire for wealth and yashaisana desire for name and fame all your desires at last can be boiled down just to these three can be categorized in three categories puttraisana vittaisana yashaisana for all all the beings not only human beings these are the three desires and when these desires are fulfilled we find tremendous happiness. But if you find out the nature of happiness, you will find a wonderful thing. That happiness is just when the desire is fulfilled at that time. But immediately it evaporates. Has it ever happened that after enjoying a wonderful meal, you went into an ecstasy and that ecstasy was never over? It never. You go to the peak, but immediately it evaporates. It falls. Why it happens? Why nature has done that? It is done to sustain itself. Prakriti has to sustain itself. Why, if after having food, if I don't, I'm satisfied and again don't feel like having food, that will be at the cost of my life. I'm going to die. And that way, the nature cannot be sustained. If you die, how can the nature be sustained? So, that you cannot be in that satiated mode forever. You have to come down because again you have to take food and by that nature is sustained so there is always you will find that whenever you are in you get a peak immediately after the desire and then again it falls off again your mind is clouded as sri ramakrishna used to say our mind is just like a pond filled with scum you remove the scum the water the clear water is visible but in a very short time, the scum again comes and covers the pond. The water is no more visible. Our mind is like that. Just for the timing, the water has been cleared of the bliss factor which is the essence of our being, that percolates through the body mind complex. Again, the scum comes and covers it. And then this, our happiness is gone. The first factor in happiness is that the moment you, the desire is fulfilled, you get tremendous happiness, but it evaporates. As a second factor. The third factor is again very important. I always remember the ecstasy. I forget the evaporation. It always happens. In your life, if you look at the past, you will always say that uh, it's, it's full of glitter. So many nice moments are there. We remember the nice moments of our life. Many may say that we, have, that we had a lot of struggles. And all those. But in general, we will find that if we really, really thought that life is full of struggle, we wouldn't have continued. It gives us an idea. In the past, something good was there. That good, I again want to regain. And that's why I'm chasing for the future. What I had. If you had no idea of happiness, you will never chase for it. And that happiness, idea of happiness, you will always find However, struggles you have, may have gone through your life, however challenging situations it may be, somehow you have an idea, some good moments were there in, the, in my past, some golden moments. Why it happens? Because our mind again plays that trick. It only remembers the ecstasy, the glitters, it forgets the, the struggles, the evaporation it forgets. Why? Because if I always remember the struggles, I won't be motivated to again chase for the desires. But nature wants us. I should go chase for the desires. It wants us. So it makes us forget the struggles. It makes us only remember the ecstasy. So that again and again I can chase for it. So you will find that the nature has made happiness a tool. It is never planned to give us happiness permanently. It comes back. It again, nature comes back. Whole sway on us so we forget so that we again chase for it not only that you will find in our life all our happiness is in anticipation when you are planning i will do this do that you feel so elated but when you are already in that act you will find you are already bored It, it has already become a monotonous thing most of the time it happens most of the time Every year we find that uh, from India, uh, those who most of you are here from Indian background that by the time it's November, December, you feel that it's the time again to go to India. Why? We enjoyed last year. We forget that you came back so sick. Every year they come back with all your sickness that you don't remember. You only remember the glittering moments. And again you start planning and that in anticipation itself there's a lot of joy. By the time you are there with your family members and all, you find it has already started getting monotonous. But when you were planning, that time itself, it was a lot of elation, lot of elation. Why it happens? Again, when the nature has already through its anticipation motivated you to do something, why should it give you happiness? Because already its work is done. Now nature can be sustained by whatever you are doing. So happiness factor is again gone. So you will find the happiness is a tool used by nature to make us do the things again and again. It gives us very quickly, but again it evaporates. It's no more there. So kshipram it comes very quickly, but it's gone. So if we are deluded by the Maya, that's why it is called Maya. The nature of happiness is Maya. Worldly world the sunset pleasures are Maya. Why it is Maya? The word Maya means. It is not as you see. Ya means yatha yatha. As it is. Ma is a negation. That I it is not as I am look as, as it appears to be. It is something different. That's maya. So the worldly happiness is maya. Why it is maya? Because it's not the real happiness. Constantly we are chasing, but we never get it. That in the words of Swami Vivekananda ever running, never reaching, nor a distant glimpse of shore. It's just like the treadmill. You run but you go nowhere in the same place you're running. It's a hedonistic hellish treadmill. So that's the nature of all the worldly happiness. It's very easy to get but it leads you nowhere. You're in the same circle of avidya, karma, karma. To go beyond that, it needs A lot of struggle it's not that easy but that also is attainable that's the thing it's something very difficult but it is not impossible so it is not Kshipra it is not very easy but it is something which is the only desirable thing and it is possible it is attainable so that's the idea which has been spoken of here that that all the that ultimate spiritual goal is not that easy, but that leads to atyantika Dukkha Nivritti Parama Sukha Prapti. That all your suffering is annihilated and you get that ultimate bliss, Parama Sukha, that unadulterated joy which comes out of it. Because it's not something, it's not easy to get. Why? Because it is not something which is in favor of nature. You are not doing something in favor of nature it is almost going against the nature. So that's why Swami Vivekananda, the very uh, introduction of the Raja Yoga, very nicely has defined that what spirituality is, that each soul is potentially divine. What's the goal? The goal is to manifest this divinity by controlling nature, not by going in favour of the nature, by controlling nature, external as well as internal. So external means that the so-called our manifested desire that you're trying to control with your willpower and the internal what is the internal nature your mind the chaotic mind through your meditation that you're trying to calm down so these are the two basic things of the entire spiritual journey in any religion that have control over your senses and contemplate on God if you ask for the basic commonalities as does any religion has to say something which is against this That control your senses and calm down your mind by contemplation this contemplation and renunciation this even in bhagavad gita they will say in the later chapter there are only two things vairagya and abhyasa konteya how to control your mind through vairagya and abhyasa Vairagya is renunciation, abhyasa is the contemplation, the practice. With this, it's not easy, but it is attainable. So that's the thing which has been indicated by Bhagavad. And very ind- interesting thing. So here there is no idea of sin, no idea of wrong and right, bad and good, no idea. Because God is saying that even your worldly desires, all the grossest desire, it is I who give. I who fulfill so there is no question of evil then what then why should i if it is not bad why should I abandon them because it is a question of hierarchy relativity it gives him very very some trivial happiness I if I want joy I want the joy which is inexhaustible why should I be happy with the trivial joy all the worldly uh, Parzits can give me just a speck of happiness. It's not bad, but it is something which cannot satisfy me. If I really have a tremendous desire, which cannot be satiated, love God. Love for the highest, that can give you the highest happiness. So it is not that it is bad, that's why I'm renouncing. That's why we find that, that's the idea here, that Bhagawan is saying, it is I who give, even your worldly desires, and very quickly I give. But that's not the ideal. The real ideal is to enjoy the bliss by getting established in self, by being association with the divine. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, he's a fool who sitting by the side of Ganges starts digging a well. Will anyone dig a well when you're sitting just on the shore of... You're you are in the vicinity of an source of water. Why should you go and dig your well? That's what we are doing. Out of ignorance, the self which is the source of inexhaustible joy. Somehow we have forgotten about it, its existence. We are not identified with it. And because of our ignorance, we are chasing after the trivials. And that's the idea, When it's very nicely in complete work, Swami Vivekananda, I will just read out those words. It's in Practical Vedanta, part 2. This this idea, Swami Vivekananda, in his words, very nicely is saying. What he's saying? Then comes another idea that other forms of worship are not errors. These other forms of worship is this chase of the, for the desires, name, fame, for resorting to some, maybe some rituals by which there is to, in the olden days there used to be yajyas, putreshti yogiya. Dhanesht means for desiring for wealth you are doing some yajya, for progeny you are doing some yajya. So we may say these are for some mundane desires, they are not errors. This is one of the great points to be remembered that those who worship God through ceremonials and forms, however crude we may think them to be, are not in error. It is the journey from truth to truth, from lower truth to higher truth. Darkness is less light, evil is less good. That's much. Means there is no such uh, duality that it is dark and darkness is less light. And evil is less good, impurity is less purity. It must always be borne in mind that we should see others with eyes of love, with sympathy, knowing that they are going along the same path that we have trodden. We all want that infinite happiness. This, all these trivial joys is never going to satisfy us. And our want for that inexhaustible happiness will force us will motivate us gradually to go for the subtler and subtler aspects of life. So in whatever stage he may be, don't criticize or say you're supposed to go for some higher places. Let him be there. Many say that in Ramakrishna Mission, the students, so many students every year passing out, it's in thousands, so many schools, colleges, how many really get attracted to spiritual life? Isn't your effort west? We always say no. What they want, let them get. You cannot force them to spirituality. If they want a good job, a good education, yes, let me provide, let me help. That way we are accelerating his progress. How? That through that, after getting the good job, he is not going to get full satisfaction in life. Impossible. The full happiness cannot be in this world. But as you have accelerated this process, at least this step, he has gone through. The one who has not enjoyed this world can never renounce. He has to first enjoy it today or tomorrow to understand that it doesn't give you ultimate happiness. Who comes here? Many say that in all the religious congregations, not only here, in most of the places, you'll find it is the elderly people, the middle-aged people, they who will come. You may see nowadays we see some young are going as a huge throng of crowd. That is not pure spirituality. There you will find some Baba is saying, that come to me, I will somehow help you in getting a job. Yes, then of course the young will go. But the true spirituality, which speaks of that your spiritual emancipation, you will always find the older elderly people anywhere, whether it is church, any religious place, why it happens. Because the young, it's a process of evolution. The young ones, when they pass by the street, they see your house, a very nice house, big house. They say, wow. If I can also have like this, all the happiness will be mine, they think. And they do get that. And when they get it, they find no happiness is not there. And then they think that there should be something else in life which can give us true happiness. So it's a process of evolution. This worldly gains, it is an advertisement. It's a big advertisement. The world is planned in such a way that somewhere I read that the heaven and hell when one person wanted to see the heaven and the hell, when he went, he was taken to the hell, he saw it's all merriment, all are enjoying. And then he was he asked, him, how come that it is a hell? Well, don't be lured by it. It is just the advertisement outside. If you go inside, then the real suffering is there. Outside, they have made a show of all those mirth and joy. Our world is like that. It is just a package. You can never get happiness plan of the universe is such as you saw the nature of happiness it's not meant to give us happiness the real happiness can never come in any worldly pursuit but somehow we are deluded we go chase after it life after life the few blessed one who can realize that for them that retreat is there no more enough of it enough of it that I have been befooled by Maya again and again again and again this, the happiness of this moment, somehow I cannot live. I forget. It will be snatched away from me. However I may hold on to it, it is going to be snatched away from me. It is just a matter of few moments. Many say that uh, by going to such and such, Baba, your cancer will be cured. And there is a throng of people going there. But we ask, are they all going to be eternal? Yes, the cancer may be cured for two years, three years, for another four years. You may be having a good life, but is can anyone assure that that you are going to live eternally in this physical plane of existence? Can any Baba assure you? Baba himself is at last going to his fine that such some such Baba who claimed himself to be the God. Uh, we need not name, just to say. And when he died, and then the headline of the news boss was the God dies of diabetes. At last the God has died of diabetes. So he himself has to die, he himself has to die and he is going to he's going on claiming that I can cure this, cure that, it's, even if he cures, it's just a trivial thing. Maybe that uh, uh, my span of life would have ended uh, at, at the age of 30, it, at the most it goes to 50, 60. We, with our life, you know, the nowadays we think that, oh, if I live a few more years, that will give me fulfillment. Just think it's so trivial when we look at the past. Do we ever think how long our great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather lived? We are never bothered about it. Whether he lived 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, it doesn't matter. It's such a trivial thing. But we are so much engrossed in the present, and in the present and the comparison, right, this world, and everything is with the present comparison only. It's just a trivial, it's just for the moment. No one will be there. Your Your children, their grandchildren, they won't be there to just remember that how long you lived, how much wealth you had, no one is going to remember. But we are so much carried away by that, we are so busy with that, and that's Maya. That's why Swami Vivekananda in one place very nicely have in in Jnana Yoga, you will find never such a nice definition of Maya. He says, Maya is a statement of fact, nothing else. It's a fact. There's no reason behind it. We don't know why it is happening. That the thing which is not going to give me eternal joy, we are clinging to it. And it's a fact. We are clinging to it. And that's Maya the statement of fact that nothing is going to give me eternal happiness but still I go on clinging to it and that's Maya so to go beyond that so that's the thing there's in Vedanta there's no idea that we were speaking of that it is evil or good these are the things which gives us just a little happiness and again it makes me struggle to, through the life again to get most a little happiness and that's how it goes on come out of it the source of eternal joy is within you get that be aware of it and once you're aware of it once you get identified with it that takes you to that spiritual fulfillment so it's not a journey from bad to good from lesser good to higher good that's that's what this uh, two slokas are indicating so the next from the 13th to the 15th verse the Lord will be exemplifying, exemplifying that inaction in action in the process of creating the four castes. That he has created the entire creation. He has created the four castes, chaturvarna, But he has as such nothing to get out of it. He is just the Srashta he has created and he is just the Drashta. He's just witnessing it. Why he has created it is for the fulfillment of our desires. That you must remember that in the previous sloka he told, it is we who desire, and to fulfill our desire, the Lord is there. And how he fulfills our desire? Through the creation of four castes. This wonderful idea of this four castes, Jatur Varna, is in Bhagavad Gita. That It has been mentioned, it is not as per hereditary, it is as per Guna Karma Vibhaga. That, as per your temperament, as per your inborn tendencies, there are forecasts. You may, when you say that it is the bane of the so called Hindu society, the Indian society, but can you think of any society which doesn't have forecast? All the society has this forecast. Brahmin speaks of the academics, the academicians, those who are uh, in universities, professors, they're all Brahmin's. They're just uh, their pursuit of knowledge. Is the Brahmin. Kshatriyas, those who are looking after the administration, the government, the politics, the federal government, looking after the safety of the country, integrity of the nation, they are the Kshatriyas. Any nation should have it for the stable society. And you will find there are the academicians, there are the politicians, the Vaishyas, the business class has to be there. Can you think of a society without a business class? The Shudras. The Shudras speaks of uh, the person who doesn't use their intellect, they just as per the dictums of the society, as per the need of the society, they provide service. All the service, even in the present society, you go to the restaurant, there are someone to serve you the food. If you take, if you say him shudra, he may be angry because we may be indicating uh, as per the uh, the stratified idea of caste. If you say him shudra, then he may get insult, he may feel insulted. But as for the temperament, that's what the shudra actually means. That one who is providing service, even in the present society, the council is shudra. What they are doing? Every week they are collecting your <laughs> the garbage. Is it a bad job? No. It's as per your temperament, it is forecast has to be there in every society. And as per our temperament, we will align ourselves to any of this profession. We may go for the academic's, we may go for politics, we may be in the business, or we may be in some service. So all these four castes are there in every society, and Bhagavan is saying, it is me who have created this four castes, guna, karma, vibhaga, as per the temperaments, as per the nature, for the sustenance of the society, for sustenance of the nature. But by doing that, it in no, It is not for my own personal benefit. It is as per the desires of the people who are in ignorance I have created and through their temperament they are following the swadharma and there it ends. But why is it indicating that while performing a swadharma, once somehow you come uh, to that awareness that you are not the karta, that it is the Lord who has created all these various things, uh, what you say, this uh, four awareness, four castes and I as per my temperament align myself to a particular caste and go on doing the actions as per my inclination. As long as I think myself as karta, I get the result but again, the desires come, it doesn't lead me to the fulfillment. How can I go out of it? The moment I develop the sense of akarta, just like God. The God, even after creation, he knows that it is not Me, who am just going to get any benefit out of it. It's just the flow of nature. So that's the idea. And once the jivas also become aware that they are not the karta, they also can go out of this cycle of Avidya, Kama, Karma that can take them to the liberation. So this, it's not the work, it's actually the attitude which has been spoken of that once your attitude changes, that the idea that I am the doer, I am the enjoyer, I am doing action, I am enjoying, then you can never get eternal happiness. The moment you understand that I am neither the doer, I am neither the enjoyer, the nature is working through me, I am neither the doer nor the enjoyer, then the action may go on, but you will be totally detached from that. You will know that the body mind is just uh, working as per its nature as per its past samskaras as per the prarabdha it's working but i am the self i am not in any way identified with it so that itself will result in spiritual emancipation spiritual liberation so that's the idea which bhagavan will be speaking, speaking of from the 13th to the 15th sloka so what is the 13th sloka? Chatur Varniyam Mayas That I have created the 4th caste. 4 Varnas. Chatur Varniyam Mayas Guna, Karma, vibhagasham. As per the Guna, as per the Karma. The Guna is, there are 3 Guna. Sattva, Raja, Tama. So what's, in general we can speak of, Sattva speaks of what? Illumination. Where, And Raja speaks of action. Tamas speaks of darkness. Now, why we say that those who are academicians, they are sattvic? Because when they are reading, their reading is resulting in contemplation. That itself, illumination resulting in illumination, it's not resulting in action. Means those who are purely academicians, their they must say that their study, their illumination is not resulting in response as such. It's just by reading they get the joy, just by research they get the joy. So that's the academicians or the, the spiritual uh, uh, practitioners. So that's pure sattva. What's the rajas? Rajas means your uh, the kshatriya, they say, is uh, very nicely, they have been in scriptures, they say they are, uh, what do you say, they have rajas with the predominance of sattva rajas with predominance of sattva here comes technology politics everything what happens that my illumination is resulting in action but i'm constantly creative in in politics everywhere constantly you have to think of policies plans so it's not that you're just doing some repetitive action constantly you have to plan so the knowledge factor is there the sattva is there the sattva is resulting in in response but that response is not something which is predominant. Predominant is your thought process, isn't it? Even in the government, the politics, the, uh, everywhere, you will find constantly the government has to go on uh, uh, having its policies as per the present problems of life. They have to go on uh, changing its policies. Think of the new defence uh, defense policy, international policy, constantly that they are doing. So, sattva, it is predominantly sattva. That's why uh, this... Uh, is kshatriya is like that. Means it is rajas with preponderance of sattva. And what is the Vaishya? They say it is Rajas with preponderance of tamas. Why it is tamas? You will understand that in business uh, now the things are changing. But in general, what happened? It's they are very busy, but they are doing something repetitive. The same thing. The the farmer, the one who is uh, the, the the farmer, they are also the Vaishyas. He knows that a particular season he has to sow the land, means he is not using his intellect. What his forefathers have taught him, the same knowledge he is using for his action, repetitive action. So that speaks of the Vaishya, someone's temperament is like that. In most of the so-called, the business, especially in the olden days, they used to call the business is all, all the industries had this assembly line, the same work they are repeatedly doing. So that speaks of from where you get the uh, your wealth from the repetitive action from the same. So much thought is not involved. So that is action without much thought, repetitive action. That's the Vaishya. And sudra speaks of you don't have to think at all. What the others are, want, that you fulfill. That's the thing. There is no so from your side there is no thought process. That what some, someone is ordering you something, you are doing it, you are fulfilling that or someone wants your service, you are giving that service. So that's the thing where it is, that's why it's called it is full of tamas. So as per the temperament, some are having of that temperament that they want to be very much contemplative. The education leads to research. They don't want to be in the world of action. So for them, it's the Brahmins, that type of work is there. The Kshatriyas is uh, Sattva Pradhan Rajas. The Rajas a lot of activity, but they have to be very creative. The Vaishyas are Tama Pradhan Rajas, the repetitive actions they go on doing, and the Sudras, are the Tamasic, because they don't have to uh, think in any way, just based on the other's order, they're working, other's uh, service they require, they're working. So these are the four types of people based on which he has created these four castes. So in India, much later, that why the caste was something... Uh, which was considered as evil because it became hereditary. It was not hereditary. You will find here it is spe- specifically mentioned. It is guna-karma-vibhaga, not as per your birth, guna-karma, as per your temperament. So it when it became hereditary, then of course it speaks of evil. And once it became hereditary with that another evil came. That was exploitation. Certain castes started thinking that they are more privileged than the others, and from that the exploitation started. Otherwise caste system is good. It, the society has to have caste. You cannot think of getting rid of caste in any society, even in Australian society, in America, everywhere the caste is there. These four varnas are there. Only they, when the exploitation comes, and if some, some even now also it happens, the one who is the so-called that 1% of the entire population, they want to isolate themselves they want to be just that privileged ones so that's that this uh, isolation leading to exploitation even if you really, if they, if after the covid that how caste system is working the drug all the so called the drug industries who are sitting there in the top they, are, they they belong to a particular caste how they want all the wealth and you will find that how that now so many things are coming up that some of the companies have totally deluded the world with wrong data, so many wrong data, so at the cost of so many life, the thing which doesn't actually entail so much of expenditure for that so much of money has been taken, what it speaks of? If not caste system, the caste system which we say is the bane of the Indian society, is the bane of all the society. Once you get wealth, now you become isolated, you want to exploit others. And then it becomes the bane of that society. It's everywhere. But if you take the caste system as it is, it has to be there. As per our temperament, we have to be in particular category. So caste system is OK. Only thing, this idea of privilege shouldn't be there. Ex- idea of exploitation should be there. If it is not there, then this caste system is something which we will find is in there universally in all the societies. And Ghavani is saying, saying that, that I have created. With the creation, it is there. All the society has to have these four variations variations of castes, as per the guna, as per the kar, as per the karma. Tasya kartaram apimang, vidyeham vid kartaram avyayam. That though I am the author that I have created, know me to be the non-doer, but, and the changeless. That it is not me. Who am the doer? I don't have that sense of the, that, uh, uh, what you say, that proprietor. I am that act, uh, that it is the I who am doing. Why he is saying this? That all the small box which you are doing, if you develop that idea of akarta, then you also become spiritually liberated. That will be spoken of in the 14th. Next law. Namang karmani limpanti, name karma farespriha. Iti yobhi janati karma bhir That actions do not tempt me, nor have I any thirst for the result of action. He who knows me thus is not fettered by action. So, you know, all our actions is based on swadharma. Well and good. But a time will come when I will realize that I am the akarta. It is not I who I am doing. My nature is making me do that. But I am not the doer. Even I, I will understand the idea of akarta very well even in the modern psychology. They say we are not, even in modern psychology they say that the idea of agentship is a delusion. The idea that I am a karta is delusion. They say that we don't have one mind in modern psychology they say we don't have one mind there are innumerable minds they call it mental modules mental modules means what that for a particular stimuli you have a particular response and that is fixed in your mind and that has created a module just take a small bacteria if you give it a food if you get some nutrient it will be drawn towards it so for the stimuli called nutrient the response is go towards it instead of nutrient if I give toxin then what's that, for a stimuli called toxin, the, what's the response? Run away from it, isn't it? So in the entire process of evolution, you will find that we have created innumerable mental modules. Why have we created? The moment the bacteria, which is the self, it got associated with the idea it is a small bacteria. The self is getting reflected in that bacterial body and it thinks I am this bacterial body. The self behind is saying, "You're eternal." The echo from the bacterial body is saying, "You're eternal," and he gets deluded. He thinks, "Oh, as a bacterial body, I'm eternal." It's echo. The real self is something apart from the bacterial body. It is saying, "I'm eternal," and when it's echoed from the bacterial body, the bacterial body is getting deluded, thinking it's this word is coming from me. It is just the echo, and he thinks, "I am eternal," and now it tries to. Realize that eternity in the bacterial body, which is impossible, and for that it's always trying to go towards the nutrients to run away from the toxins. He wants to leave. That's how the evolution has happened. The entire evolution has happened because of that ignorance. We are going towards the... So, and that way thousands of mental modules have been created in our journey to preserve this body, innumerable mental modules, we have created. A particular stimuli gives particular response. And now, these all constitute my mind. When we take a decision, I think I have taken a decision, no, in a particular situation, a particular module gets activated, as per that situation, a particular module gets activated, and that module has a fixed response. It is going to take that response, making you believe you have taken that response. It never happens. Just to give you an example. You will find that when you are at home with your family, you are a different person. The same person when you are at office with the colleagues, you are different. Suddenly, you meet, meet your school friends. You will find your nature has changed. Immediately, as per the environment, your nature starts changing. That's why we go to the uh, this shrine, temple. Why? We know that environment do change my nature. Immediately, particular metal module will get activated if you go to some place of evil uh, there's where all type what is this uh, evil things are going on you will find unknowingly your mind gets activated by that the entire world of advertisement speaks of that in the tv you suggest any advertisement they are trying to activate a particular module and just a particular module nothing else so what it speaks of that we are not actually deciding that example which i give again and again suppose that uh, you are going for an excursion, a group of people is going for excursion, and at night they have to stay in some uh, hotel. This uh, they uh, uh, the get down in a railway station, and they have to stay in some, say in some town, a small town, in some hotel. And the hotel uh, in the center of the town, the n- hotels are not sufficient; all cannot stay there. Few have to go with in the countryside, a bit aloof. Now. All will be trying to have their own choice, and then most of the people have to be denied, you know, because there's no sufficient hotel. So it's a real experiment which has been done. So what this experiment is in a very famous experience of a Stanford University that a group of students with their families were going for some excursion, and it was planned that they will have a night halt in some small town, but before going to the hotel because there is no sufficient hotel in the centre of the town, first they will take them to some, this movie theatre, where number of movies are going on. And some will be going for, there's some horror movies going on, some family adventure movies going on. So some goes for the horror movie and some goes for the family adventure movie. And when they come out, after that, they are asked to choose the hotel. It, it was asked uh, that let, it's not we who are asked deciding, it's you choose your hotel. Very interestingly, it was found those who went for the horror movie, they all planned to stay in the hub of the city, the small town, in the hub of the small town. And those who went for the family adventure movie, means they went for this countryside. You know why? Because you find a very interesting thing. It's a, it's a very int- a famous experiment that when you are going to a horror movie, then what mental module gets is getting activated? It's a Mental model of protection—that you are in, when you are in danger, you want to protect yourself. Now, if you look in the animal kingdom, you will find a wonderful thing: that uh, when the predator attacks the herd, that all the herd is being attacked, the herd always wants to be together. The reason is they know very well: if somehow I get just yes, I get isolated, the predator's entire attention will be on me. If I am in the group. The focus may not be on me. <clears throat> maybe you're, it's maybe on me. It may not be on me because I am in a group. But you are out of the group. The entire focus goes on you. So when you are scared, in the process of evolution, uh, we always wanted to be in the herd. Always want to be in the crowd. We never want to get singular, uh, singularized. So those who went for the horror movie, for them, that uh, what you say that protection module got activated. They were scared. So they all chose the hub of the small town. The whatever hotel room were there, they chose themselves. And in family, when you are with your family, you would you like to be isolated. You are with your children, you are with your wife. You don't, at that time, you want that space. You don't want to be the others. So those who went for the tight type of movie, the family adventure movie, they all themselves chose the countryside, the, uh, the motels which were on the countryside. But, It is they who decided, isn't it? It is not that someone forced them. So what it speaks of, it is the mental modules that gets activated. That makes the decision, (coughs) giving you a feeling you are deciding. So even in modern psychology, it's a big subject that we are not the karta. It is the mental modules. As per the environment is a very important factor. So know it for certain. In what environment, that's why they say don't blame the person most probably the environment in which he was brought up, that is responsible for what he or she is. So so that's the thing. So you are not the karta. So knowing that, that guna, guneshu, vartanta, we already studied, it's the nature, how it's working on me, that way my body-mind complex, as per the present situation, is responding. Knowing that, let me go through the life without getting uh, attached to it. And that will result in that, spiritual emancipation. So that's the idea which Bhagavan is speaking of in these two slokas. So with this, we stop our discussion today. We will take up the 15th sloka uh, as a continuity of this idea and as a conclusion of this idea before we uh, proceed to the ide- idea of varied types of yajyas which God Bhagavan will be speaking of in the remaining portion of this chapter that we will take up again in the next class. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars yeah yeah please one minute just let me